If you count calories for the pursuit of losing weight or gaining weight, one of the best things you could do is take a very open mind from the numbers perspective, not compare your numbers to other people. I think that there's a lot of, well, I should be losing weight instead of how do I feel? What's my biofeedback? What's my energy levels? My libido, strength training, how do I feel? And what's the data telling me as far as am I in a deficit or not? You know, every day of like, I'm not losing weight, I'm in a deficit. It's like, we need to unpack this right now because like that's obviously just an oxymoron that just those two things can't coexist. What's up guys, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Joey, nutrition science PhD and founder of Fit for Life Academy. Today, I had a wonderful conversation with a friend of mine, Jordan Lips. He puts out a ton of really fantastic information about nutrition and fitness on social media. One of the things that I really enjoy about Jordan is that he's very energetic. He explains things beautifully and he's really passionate about the online nutrition and fitness space, just like myself. But he's definitely way more energetic than upbeat than I am. So with that being said, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Let's go ahead and get right into it. What's up, Jordan? How are you, man? I am well. Thanks for having me, dude. What's going on? Doing great, man. First and foremost, thank you for taking some time to be here today. You and I have chatted back and forth um, for years now, but really a lot recently talking about espresso. <laughs> that is true it's a recent passion yeah, yeah. um it's funny because i always start this i always start the the podcast and i'm always like oh my new friend because every time i invite somebody it's usually the first time i'm talking to them face to face and this is um non-surprisingly the first time you and i are speaking face to face but man i've been following you for quite some time as i mentioned to you before we started you were one of the first people that i really looked up to in terms of content creation i think you've been crushing it for Quite some time, you put out some fantastic information related to nutrition, body composition, training, building muscle. And similar to myself, you really view health and fitness from like a sustainable perspective for long-term health improvement, not just getting jacked at the moment, right? Even though we all want to do that. Um, so with that said, I'd love if you take a couple minutes just to introduce yourself, what you do, um, and we'll go from there. Cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I mean... But that is a funny thing because you are crushing it right now. And I and I look up to you a lot. So, like, there's definitely a mutual respect there. So, I appreciate that a lot. Um, yeah, I'm Jordan Lips. I'm a certified MNU certified nutritionist. I certified personal trainer and all that other garbage acronyms after my name. I do fitness. I do nutrition. I try to make it sustainable. Uh, working with people on a wide range of goals. I do some one-on-one -on -one coaching if you want a little bit more of an intimate sort of relationship. That sounds creepy, but it's not. Um, and then I also host a group training platform, which we were just talking about off air, which is a little bit more of a cheaper, more accessible option, which is just, it's been so fun to see that grow over the last couple of years, uh, and really help a lot of people and just been so, so, so much fun. And so that's kind of, um, where I'm putting a lot of my eggs lately. Yeah. To get to know a little bit more about you, man, background wise, how did you get into health and fitness? Yeah. Classic podcast question. Um, the most classic, I, unoriginal <laughs> question of all time. How'd you get into this thing here? Yeah, no, I um, I went to college to to with no plans whatsoever. I think I was a psychology major, like every single person ever. Mm -hmm. Um, and then realized maybe like sophomore year that I wanted to be a lawyer, and so switched majors like nine different times from like philosophy to pre law. They're like pre law track all the way to the point where I had so many different majors. When I went to go graduate, they I didn't I had I had a ton of credits, but not like didn't check all the necessary boxes to graduate with a specific major. Almost to the point where they made up a major, it was called like philosophy, politics, and law. It was like this like combined major. Anyway, whatever. Um, took LSATs, applied to to, to to law school. Told my parents that's fine. I don't want to go this year. I want to take a year off. Um, I was pretty burnt out, and I also I know that sounds cliche. I was burnt out. All you had to do was like go to school, but like I genuinely didn't want to go to law school. I genuinely didn't want to do any of that. Um, it was just more of like felt like the thing that you should decide to do. Um, and so I, for that year, I was like, I'll take a year off, defer, and and go in whatever that next year was. Um, and I went to go work at a local, just like a local mom and pop gym in my hometown, like a boutique, not a chain, um, just like owner operated, um, and it. It was maybe like three days in, I just knew this was it, man. And uh, I had never trained anyone at the time. I actually wasn't even certified. They just like didn't care at all. Um, and so like reverse engineered getting my certification um, and just had a blast, man. I was just doing the whole like grind of like getting up at four, training till like eight at night and doing it seven yeah. days a week. And 
just completely immersed myself in it and uh, really, really loved working with people, loved just, it was able to be in an environment that I really liked. I was, you know, one of the things I really loved most was like, even though people who come to see a personal trainer, they're not necessarily like always super stoked, but mm -hmm. it's not like, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, compare it to like working in a hospital. If you're working in a hospital, like by definition, the people that you interact with don't want to be there. And not only do they not want to be there, they want to get out of there as soon as possible. Yeah. And so that brings just like a general aura to that environment where like totally. the gym is just a different aura. It's like, I know not everyone who came to see me was like super pumped about working out, but it was a positive environment and it was really like a good place to work for a long time. Um, and maybe after like five or six years, I'll cut this short. We don't need the whole freaking backstory, but it's no, it's all good, man. It's all good. Me and two colleagues of mine were doing a lot of business. We got some other trainers under us. I actually, that's how I met my wife. We, I hired her as a trainer and she was like the best trainer we ever like cultivated through our internship. She was so good. Um, had to lock it down. And then, um, you know, we decided that we wanted to buy into the business. We're like, Hey, we're going to, we want a piece of the, of this whole thing. You know, we're doing the majority of the business here. Our boss said what he said, which was not yes. Uh, and so we left and we went like one foot outside of our non-compete clause and we opened our own gym. Cool. Um, and for a little bit of time, and I say very little, this is like Mark, maybe like January before COVID. Um, and, uh, maybe like, I'm not gonna lie. There was like one day I was there late, like late, like doing like, um, like payroll or something. Um, and it just hit me like that. This was not a step up. It was a step sideways from like being a personal trainer to like being a gym owner. And it was like mm -hmm. something different, not forward. And that's fine, by the way. Like, this doesn't like, I'm not like looking down on that as a choice. It just immediately, I got this taste. I was like, it's not for me. Um, I gave my, I sold my piece to my partners and I went and did online coaching um, and had been wanting to do that for a while. I was like kind of secretly doing some hybrid stuff. Um, and so left, started the one-on-one -on -one coaching business. And here we are. Yeah. So what I gathered from that is you uh, break non-complete clauses. You're a fairly secretive person. That's all. That's all that I got from that. You're picking you it up. You're picking it up. You're reading you, between the lines. You can't be trusted. You're just like uh, you're just like our boy Adrian, man. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Don't lump me in with him. No. Uh, so all jokes aside, how did you? Because I think this is something to you know. People who listen to this podcast are either. Uh, individuals looking to improve health or people who are like starting out in the fitness industry. You know, there's a lot of younger individuals who I'm sure look up to both you and I who think, who haven't thought, I really want to get there, right? Like, how do I do this stuff? How did you take the leap from being an employee and working for somebody else and like building the courage to do your own thing? I think that there's some people out there that would be like, hey man, like just, you know, there's, there's like every like um, hashtag entrepreneur motivation Instagram page is like, just rip the bandage, go do what you love, man. Yeah. Like sleep on your mom's couch, eat ketchup and mustard sandwiches, like just grind. But like at the time I, I was, had the luxury of not needing to totally give up what I was doing in person. I think that there's, but the advice I would give would be to actually not do that. It would be like to keep some of your in-person work from an income perspective, but also from an experience perspective. And, and online is so accessible in your free time. And if you're like, why? Well, you know, I will say that the little bit of hashtag, like, like, um, Jocko, like motivation I'll give is that like, if you're trying to do this, like, you can't be like, oh, I'm working in person and I want to start this other business and I want to have a big robust social life and I want to do this and I want to travel. It's like, there was a period of like three to five years where it was nothing but work and think about the future and grow the business and in my free time, go to the coffee shop and, and build the back end and. Um, so I, there's a little bit of that. I don't want to go so deep into like that just like gives me a weird vibe of, of, of like, of like no pain, no gains or like hashtag yeah. crush it. And I don't want to do that. But, um, I would say if you're out there and you're a personal trainer and you're, you're working in a big box gym and you're like, well, what, what's, what's for me long-term, I see these guys out there doing online coaching. They're in this Instagram space. I think starting by taking the, co the people that you're already coaching and seeing if you can give them more, see if you can give them something while during the hours that they're not with you. So truthfully, like I started online coaching my in-person clients when they mm. would go, I was like, here's a spreadsheet. We're going to track our calories or here's a workout that you're going to do on your own. I want you to track it. And that was the, the base for the systems I still use today. So that that's what I would do. I think that there's something kind of like romantic about like the, like sleep on your mom's couch, eat fucking like, you know, honey sandwiches and just yeah. grind and make no money and all that. But, but like, I think you can, 
find that balance. And the irony is coming full circle is that I just had uh, two of my online coaches and clients that live very close here. And I have, I built a home gym in my garage. And so I've had them come for a couple sessions and it's been like, I don't know. It's just been like such a full circle moment of like, wow, I really love working with people in person. You know, you and I can have the chat about like, is that scalable? Like, you know, whatever though. Like I think a, a friend, you know, I'm sure everyone knows Jordan Syatt is, he just did like a real life series on YouTube training this lady in his area. Um, if you have not watched it, go watch it for sure. Um, but it, it, I texted him like right afterwards. I was like, dude, you got me, you got me fired up to coach people in person again. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to like run with that from a business perspective, but I think that same person who I'd be talking to is like, don't, if you're, an, if you look very closely, you can, you can sense which people have actually worked with people in person and which people have not. And so yeah. don't, don't let go of that potentially being a way you can get a leg up. Yeah, no, working with people in person is a, a ton of fun, man. Like you mentioned, it's a scalable, that's a different conversation, but it is fun. I, I do exclusively online coaching and every once in a while I have a client who's local here in Tampa as well. And they're like, do you do in person? I'm like, I don't, but if you're here, like, let's just go to the, get the gym and get a workout together. And it's always really, really fun. Um, and obviously way more valuable from a training perspective too, in terms of learning how to do things correctly. You know, a uh, quick side story here. I always tell a ton of stories when you mentioned, uh, sleeping on your mom's couch and eating honey sandwiches. I had a buddy in college, man, poor guy. He would eat rice and honey sandwiches was like his go-to. Not because he was broke or anything. He just like didn't know how to cook. No, it's just insulin. It's just through the roof though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a... He's no longer with us due to frequent insulin spikes. Taxing his uh, glycemic regulation. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Rest in peace, Um, pancreas. You know, I'm also not the biggest fan of that type of content where it's like grind 24 seven, blah, blah, blah. Because realistically, and I'm sure you probably agree with this, like it's not realistic and it's not super sustainable, right? And if it's not super sustainable, you're not gonna do it long-term. But that being said, like some sacrifice is required, right? It's the same, a perfect parallel with like nutrition and health, right? If you're somebody who, you know, is pretty unhealthy, you don't really focus on your nutrition, you don't really focus on exercise, you like to party a lot, you don't sleep much, it's like, yeah, you can improve your health um, by making some small changes and we want to develop something that's sustainable, but some sacrifices is required, right? So it's funny because I'm sure you agree, like the same principles apply for success in really anything in life. Um, cool, man. So let's transition from here. Let's talk a little bit about nutrition, exercise, and social media because both you and I do social media. And both you and I get frustrated pretty often with the stuff we see on social media, right? From working with people, from making content on social media, what do you see are some of perhaps the biggest the biggest commonalities in terms of misconceptions when it comes to health, fitness, body composition, anything really? I, I know, tough question. A, no, I just think it's a, maybe a natural human uh, I was going to say condition, but natural human mindset to be seeking out uh, uh, something of a shortcut, an easier way. Um, and and it, it, is, it is both true that you can't escape the hard work and that there might be ways to enhance those things. And so it's, it's, it, there's the, the, the battle that we're fighting against misinformation is not that these people spewing misinformation are, are spewing only misinformation. It's that they're spewing just enough stuff that's kind of okay that that you start to kind of mold it all into one thing that's kind of okay and you're not picking up you being the 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 not non-professional consumer isn't really discerning where the that line is and we'll use I mean, people like Max Lugavere or people like um you know like Huberman or um and we you might we might have different views of like where those people are on the spectrum but like there are threads in there that are like yeah, that's not so bad. Like, I'm kind of yeah. down with that. Like, I'll read a Max Lugavere post, and I'm like, yeah, 70% of this is just fine. But nobody is going to be able to figure out where that line is. And obviously, everybody's line is different, but there is there is a line that is called factual and, and, and false, for sure. Yeah, sure. Um, and I think that's, those are the most dangerous people. Um, I think that we can all, I don't know, you know what's funny is about, I was about to say, like, I think we can all throw, like, medical medium, like, straight in the garbage. But, like, he's got a huge following. So, like, even people that, like, their ratio of like good information to bad information is like one good post for every like 10,000 still can grow a following. So I, I, 
it is it is tricky. I do find that that's some a battle that we're fighting where it's like, yeah, you know, it's there's something okay here, and so that will be something. I, I you know, Dave Asprey was just on Mind Pump, which by the way is like, for me at least. I, unforgivable frankly from a platform perspective like that's just uh, for me i'm it's unforgivable so question question because i i see this in two ways when people platform individuals like dave asprey i don't find it an issue if they give pushback right so was there any pushback or was it just like hey let this guy talk and we're going to support it yeah and so here's another annoying moment because it depends how much pushback so you have like dr mike having gundry on yes um and and that's like the and I just be blunt with you. That's like the only time I've really ever seen that. Maybe like, um, you know, if if once in a blue moon, like somebody has like Lane and somebody on to to debate, which is like basically never. But um, yeah, I think it, like you said, there was not nearly enough pushback. I mean, it okay. was um, it was punching like up, this. so to speak. Yeah, it, it was just allowing the the conversation to run amok. It was almost like they were like. Uh, instead of pushing back, they were like, other people might push back when you say that. Like, it was mm. like as if they were afraid to be like, hey, like, wh- what? You know, like, are you, are you sure? You know, like, um, you know, at one point, and they posted this clip, at one point, he was like trying to defend that like fluoride is like, he was, he was, he was, he was positing that fluoride's really, really bad and it's, you should never drink tap water, it's killing you. And his, and then like two seconds later, it's like, come on, man, who are you going to believe? And he like lifted up his shirt and he's like, I'm 50. This is what I look like. Like, come at me. I'm like, there's no more defense for this person being on the platform. Like, I just cannot believe. And, and he actually, I had a comment on, on their page that had like hundreds of recomments and underneath he tagged me like a, your mama joke. And I'm like, yo, like these people just, Oh man, no, absolutely no bounds. And it was like, yeah, it just was, I don't know, we're on a sidetrack of Dave Asprey, but Dave Asprey would fall into the category of like 99.99% of stuff comes out of his mouth. It's like hot steaming garbage. He still has a following. So sometimes that it's, you know, sometimes it really doesn't take much, you know? Yeah. I saw some, it was a statistic or maybe a study or something like that regarding this, like when people repeat something over and over and over and over again, it becomes believable, even if it's just like complete BS, right? And then in the nutrition space, it's tough because people don't have an education in nutrition. So when somebody says something, it seems kind of believable and they say it a million times, it's like, oh, they must be right, right? I think that's a big issue. I think people, um, another big issue is that people seek novelty. It's like they want information that they don't have because they think that perhaps one of the reasons why they've failed to achieve something, a particular goal, maybe because they don't have the right information, right? So I've been following all this traditional information. And now this guy, Dr. Gundry or whoever it is, is saying this crazy thing, but I haven't tried this. It it must work, you know? And then we know the schemes behind like all the testimonials and and all of those things that these people share. And another aspect of it, I think, is that people are really good at sensationalizing things, right? Right of saying there's a common enemy and this is the person we need to like rise against, right? And I think in our space, the most common thing is like the government's trying to keep you sick, the USDA recommendations, right? Like if the government's not telling you to eat steak and this and that, uh, you shouldn't trust the recommendations. Uh, The USDA guidelines have made people fat. And it's like these statements that are so radical that for some reason, they really uh, uh, cultivate a following, right? And it's like, for you and I, I guess it's pretty simple to see the flaws in these types of arguments. But for people who don't know much about health and fitness, it can be really hard to see these arguments, right? Um, For example, like a common one talking about the USDA recommendations. I think this is a common one amongst all of these individuals. It's like, oh, if you follow the USDA recommendations, this is what happens. The country becomes obese and fat because you're eating grains and, you know, the rationale, each, each of them have a slightly different rationale, whether it's anti-nutrients or whether it's refined carbohydrates or whatever, but the messaging is the same that the USDA recommendations are getting, are, are keeping you sick because look at America. And it's like, well, if you look at data in terms of compliance rate, like most people don't follow the USDA recommendations, 
And actually, if you ate more whole grains and more fiber, you'd probably see health improvement, right? It's, it's funny the way that works, man. Hey guys, some of you may not know that I'm the scientific advisor for a supplement company called Outwork Nutrition. I help with the formulation of new products to help ensure that they're effective and backed by science. Unlike many other supplement companies out there, we don't rely on exaggerated claims or flashy marketing tactics. Instead, we let the science speak for itself. We take pride in formulating products that deliver real results, helping you achieve your fitness goals in a meaningful way. If you're in the market for supplements like protein powder, pre-workout, or recovery products, make sure to check us out at outworknutrition.com. And as a thank you for being an avid listener of this podcast, use code Joey for an exclusive discount at checkout. You can find the link to our website down in the description of this podcast episode. Remember, our goal is to empower you with science-backed supplements that truly make a difference. Choose Outwork Nutrition and elevate your fitness to new heights. Yeah, that's always my favorite one of like... um. They're like, oh, the food pyramid made us sick. And if you like go look, like people didn't follow it. So like, you know, like whether you could have an opinion about that as a, as like a suggestion, yeah. you can't say that the cause of an outcome was because people followed it because they didn't. Um, and so, yeah, I find that to be funny. I will say, just throw a bone here, is that like there are people, there are people, there are people out there who have been in some level let down by our healthcare system in some way, you know, Certainly. and they seek out an alternative answer. And I, I have sympathy for those moments of just being let down maybe by, I'm, I'm not, I think doctors are amazing, all this stuff. There's, there's a plus and a minus on every, on every uh, equation here. And so maybe you've been let down by a doctor, you didn't get the answer you need, or you tried a certain thing and you know, doctor didn't want to go a certain route and you felt not heard. And so then you find, other schools of thought that feel more open to, you know, you, you know, and your needs at that time. And I, I'm, I want to be sympathetic to that as a, as a gateway for entering into sure. some of this mis min misinformation. It's just such a slippery slope. It's almost like, it's almost like there's just so many linked forms of misinformation. It's like, if I see somebody who's like anti seed oil, or like comes, or they say, you know what's funny? You said something before that I made a note of like, they speak with so much confidence. If you say it enough times, the amount of people that on the internet, like are, we've almost gotten to the point where people on the internet say, and this has seed oils, which are highly inflammatory. And they just say it like with, with just as in, as if it's like a packaged sentence of like, oh, this has canola oil, which is highly inflammatory. And then they move on as if, as if none of that is contestable. And like the seed oil thing, we don't need to go. I'm sure you've talked about it at ad nauseum, but like that, the way these, they are such good orators and I don't even know if they know they're doing it. They're saying it in a way that's like, as if this is an accept, been accepted as fact. Certainly. And I just like had a guy in my comment section the other day, I was like talking about seed oil and he like, um, another thing is like public access to PubMed has, has become make, such a crapshoot. I had some guys send me like inflammatory messages about um, polyunsaturated fats versus saturated fats, saturated fats boosted testosterone by a ton. And if you eat PUFAs, you're gonna, you can shrink your, you shrink your, you know what, and you have no testosterone. And he sent me a study. And like, not only did he send me the study, but I clicked the link and the link went to one sentence that he highlighted. I didn't even know you could do that. He like linked me to yeah, just yeah. a highlighted section of the text. Yeah. And I just was like, all right, I see what, I see that sentence. Let me read the text. The entire text was about how the opposite of what he was saying was true. And I just, again, I'm not like, I just think that that's sometimes tricky where you have like an average person who yeah. goes on PubMed. It is quite easy to search, even with AI. I've had people send me chat GPT generated sources that were not real because you have to double check with chat GPT. If you're like, hey, chat GPT, show me where seed oils are inflammatory in humans. It might, first of all, you've prompted it in a in a, in a leading fashion. It might come up with a, with a source. If you copy and paste that to me, you have no idea what's in it. Um, yeah, and and I'll close this loop, but like this, I had somebody in my comment section who was like hey, coming at me with that, and um, and you just knew, you just knew. I clicked on his profile, and like there was just like there's like nine other red flags of like biohacker, and again, I'm not saying these things are all because I'm gonna say one of them, and there's gonna be people that are upset, and I'm not throwing this thing in the bin. I'm just saying that they come so much as like a package deal. It was like biohacker, like uh, I homeschool my kids, and I don't believe in, pu in public school system or the government. Then it was, he, he had like a beef tallow moisturizer company. And I'm like, all of these things just seem like they're up. coming in like a bit of a package deal. Um, 
of misinformation, not like altogether. We don't, people are going to come at me about the homeschool thing. I think that there's wonderful people who homeschool their kids. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. You guys do what you want. Your kids, it's fantastic. I'm not shitting on it. I think that there's, I've actually, because I'm going to be a parent in the next couple of months, I've read a bunch of, oh, I've read dude. two books on that. Um, and so I don't want to throw that in the bin. I'm just saying there was, it's like this very anti-government, this anti-seed yeah. oil, they, anti-pharma. They want to keep you sick. Like uh, just all this stuff. It's, it's exhausting. Dude, congratulations. I didn't know you Thank were going to be dad soon. Thank you. That's really exciting, man. Do you know if you guys are having a boy or a girl? We're having a girl and she'll be here in exactly two months. Oh, well, man. That's so exciting. Just, yeah, yeah. We uh, are total tangent, but our baby's a year and a half. He'll be a year and a half in eight days. Exactly. Dude, um, that's fantastic. I didn't even know you had a kid. Yeah. I post them on that's my amazing. stories pretty often. Dude, time flies, man. We were I just might like, not see you on stories very much. I don't know why. I might not catch your stories very much. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, I got I got to check it out. How is that? How is it going? How's life? It's great, man. It's great. It is exhausting. It's a lot of work, but it's so cool, man. I was just out of town for the weekend and didn't see him for three days. It's it's weird to think you can miss miss someone so much. Like, obviously, you have a significant other, you have family, you love them, but it's a totally different feeling. Uh, and we're talking about like potentially trying for our second kid this year sometime soon as soon as we move into our new home too um that's but that's awesome. exciting man we'll have to chat about that and if you yeah, ever sure. want to have any questions hit me up i don't have many answers when i first was having our baby i was reaching out to adrian i was like dude is this normal Did this happen um but yeah it's always nice to have somebody to relate to man but that's super cool dude anyways back to nutrition because i'm sure people don't care about our personal lives that much even though even though Every once in a while, somebody messages me and they're like, how's the baby or something? It's like awesome. one every like a thousand messages. So yeah. <laughs> for the sake of keeping the audience engaged, um, you know, it's funny that you brought up the seed oil stuff because, yeah, people talk about specific things that are untrue with a lot of conviction. And so the average person sees that and they're like, oh, yeah, seed oils, seed oils are inflammatory. And you know, one of the one of the things that I hate the most, Jordan, is being in public with people that I'm just meeting and people ask me what I do professionally. I hate it. I hate oh, you have it. to lie. You have to lie. Um, yeah, I usually just say like I do social media or something like that. Um, and my wife loves to like say what I do. So she, when I do that, she's like, oh, no, he's a PhD in nutrition and he does this and that. And every time I come home, I'm like, can you please just stop doing that? <laughs> but anyways, all that's to say that this weekend, I was just in Kentucky with my soon-to-be brother-in-law for his bachelor party. And he had a, like 12 of his buddies. Um, and it's an all-guys group. And these guys are all like in real estate or one's a lawyer. Like they're all very educated individuals, very smart. And of course, they have an opinion about nutrition, right? And we're sitting at a bar. Everybody's drinking. Everybody's eating like fried chicken wings and fries. And they just start talking about how bad seed oils are. And the guy next to me is like very into it. He's like, no, no, seed oils are the worst thing you can eat. Like they're inflammatory, blah, blah. That's exactly what he was saying. Yeah. And um, to my left was this guy who has his master's degree in biomedical sciences. And he knows that it's total bullshit. And in front of me is my soon-to-be brother-in-law who follows me on social media. And this whole time, I was just like quiet, just eating my food, chilling. Eating your seed oils, just, he, just he, inflaming yourself. So Chris, my soon-to-be brother-in-law, he's like, Joey, I know you have an opinion on this. Loud at the table. And I'm like, no, dude, actually, I don't have any opinion about it. And he was like, no, 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 no. no. I know you make videos about uh, seed oils. And I was like, dude, I have no opinion about it, man. <laughs> and the guy next to me is like, what, are you going to say seed oils are good? And I was like, oh, man, all right, listen, I'll provide some context. They're not good or bad. They're not inflammatory. Omega-6, blah, 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 processing. Because the thing is, like, it's so hard. It requires so much information to combat uh, why seed oil is not inflammatory, right? It's the same. It's like exact, uh, the ex exact opposite is true. If I just said seed oils are not inflammatory and, like, somebody wanted to say they are inflammatory, well, you're going to naturally ask why. And that requires a super deep explanation. And people need to know physiology and people don't know physiology. It's just, it sucks, man. Cause it, it's like an uphill battle essentially where people are never really going to get the whole picture because there are so many individuals just saying these ridiculous blanket statements, right? Um, it's tough, man. I was actually scripting a video cause you said I've, I've made videos about so, uh, 
about seed oils before. And we're talking about not just seed oils, but something you mentioned earlier about some of these individuals, they put out some good information and then some bad information. And the bad information overshadows the good information, but it's hard to discern what's good, what's bad, right? And one comment that I get repeatedly from people is like, why do you care if they're doing, if they're helping people, right? So for example, like somebody like um, Paul Saladino, for example, have people improved their health following his recommendations? I'm sure, right? Like, hey man, like if you eat some meat and some fruit and you switch towards that and you were doing something completely different before and you were really unhealthy and you lost some weight, like, yeah, you're going to have some health improvements, right? And it, it, it does beg the question, like, why do you care? It's a good question. And I'll be posting a video on this probably next week or the week after, but it's essentially like, yes, there is some short-term benefit, but there's also long-term consequence, right? And that's thinking about just the consumer. The other flip side of it is that a lot of these guys are just scammers, right? They're doing this for financial gain. They're trying to have a unique angle on all of this. But regardless, like, okay, what are the unintended consequences of following somebody like Paul Saladino? Because as I just mentioned, can you improve your health following those recommendations? Sure. What are the unintended consequences long-term? Well, now you're probably afraid to eat vegetables, which is silly, which is probably going to have negative health implications long-term, right? Um, It's like, yes, there is some benefit, but the, the negatives could potentially outweigh the positives by a ton. And that's why I think it is so, so important for people like you and I to call this stuff out, to share good information. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, the, the words that come to mind for me are, are collateral damage and, and like scorched earth. I just think that there's for every and I deal with this. I deal with this a lot with the reverse dieting and the, some of the metabolic damage mm-hmm. community where like um, I, I w- I've been known, I suppose, to, to berate or, or sit on the soapbox of like, hey, like reverse dieting insofar as its ability to effectively, you know, boost metabolic rates. You can cut on higher calories later or undo metabolic damage. It's like mostly not a thing. And so this, you know, idea of like, when I'll say that, I'll get a lot of people come in the comments. They're like, actually, Jordan, like, I had a really good experience doing a reverse dieting protocol. And I'm yeah. like, that's awesome. And I mean this, and I'll bring it back to the Paul Saladino, is that I believe that these people who have like, let's say 50% good information, 50% bad information, that, or, or let's say 75 good, right? And so, cause somebody can actually make a reasonable argument of like, okay, well they're helping more than they're hurting. Like, what's the problem? The problem is they could be doing better and that there's 25% of information that is bad, that is causing some collateral damage for people that you don't hear from, that you don't hear about, they're not in the comments. You know, for every person that tells you how much better their health has gone in, in, the, in the carnivore diet, there's probably 10 to 100 people who have gone to their doctor with 300 plus LDL and who have been told, hey, you gotta eat some fucking vegetables and maybe cut down on saturated fat or we're gonna have to go on a statin or, you know, and so, you know, recently, I, I forgot who this was. I've seen some posts like that and those things need to get more light. When I talk about reverse dieting, there will be somebody in the caption saying, I did reverse dieting and had a positive experience. And I say, that's awesome because the act of increasing your calorie targets on my fitness power, whatever, and that action leading to a positive, happy outcome is is more than zero. It's possible. That can lead to a happy outcome. But there's 10 other people who gained a bunch of weight they didn't want to because they were told that they need to bump their calories up for the next year to boost yeah. their metabolism so that they can then lose weight. And you don't hear about those people. And guess what? They come and they hire me after 10 times having gone through that experience. And I think that that person might be like, okay, well, that that's a bad ratio, right? There's a lot of people get harmed, one person gets helped. But it's it goes deeper than that because you can still get that person help. You can still help that one person and save those other 10 people. Paul Saladino can still help all the people he's helping because the people he's helping are people that are coming from a standard American diet who mm-hmm. are then making a bunch of really good choices, eating more whole foods, eating um, more protein, right? Eating less hyper palatable, highly processed foods, not too many calories. They're probably encouraged to exercise maybe a little bit more, maybe some of the other rhetoric that he has. But my point is we can still help that person without harming yeah. the other 30. And so I think that, yeah, Paul Saladino has helped someone. He could have helped that, whoever that is, that same person could have gotten all that good information. It's like, cracks me up. It's like, you know how you, if you took all the carnivore people, that are like carnivore MD or carnivore this or Saldino and, and you just 
added fruits and vegetables. Like you'd great, you'd help so many more people. I know that goes against Saladino's like like an anti-nutrient rhetoric, but I just crack up because I'm like, you guys could be doing good if you just added some fruits and vegetables and whole grains and fiber and all this stuff. So it's obviously just like obviously not a thing, but um, I think of the collateral damage. I think of the un the unheard person who's been harmed by this. They don't speak up. They're they're frankly they're uh, most of them are are ashamed of the fact that this didn't work for them. and you just don't hear about them. And and I even though I think that that far outweighs the good, I think it goes beyond that because I think you could still help all those people. It's not like it's not like they were people that couldn't be helped otherwise. They could still be helped. And so that's where I have a big problem with it because you're 100% right. There's like always going to be people who are like, hey, I followed this person. I did what they said. I got healthier. I feel better. It's like, great. They could have helped you. You could have found all of this same information without the 10 people that you haven't heard from that are now deathly afraid of vegetables, have 300 LDL, you know, afraid of having a slice of pizza, are passing those those sentiments onto their children, like have crazy body dysmorphia. I mean, I'm going on a, a, yeah, a yeah, wide yeah, yeah. range of things here, but I, I just, that, that's the one that kills me because you, you don't hear about those people. Yeah, and then people might be wondering, well, then why do some of those individuals not give better information, right? Because they are highly educated. Like Paul Saladino is highly educated. All of these dudes, a lot of them have medical degrees. And I mean, to me, there's no other explanation besides the fact that it would hurt their business, right? Like if Paul Saladino came out tomorrow and said, hey, actually, no, vegetables are good. You should eat them. Um, Hey, LDL is actually an issue. Like I used to think it wasn't, but high LDL, you know, it's actually bad. And you can eat some grains and some beans and this whole anti-nutrient stuff doesn't really matter. Dude, at least from my perspective, his his whole probably like uh, brand would like just disintegrate, right? Because these people like have built their brand off developing a unique angle that's completely different than conventional wisdom. And that's why they've built such a big following, right? And that's why they've been called out by a number of people, not even myself, people with way larger followings than me, right? Like Lane, Lane Norton, for those of you guys listening, almost on a weekly basis, puts up a story tagging Paul Saladino saying, let's debate, <laughs> all right? has never heard back from him once, right? Because these individuals know that they're spreading misinformation. But one, maybe they don't feel so bad about it because they're like, hey, I'm actually helping some people, right? Give them some benefit of doubt. And two, they would be hurt tremendously financially. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't, but I'm sure the thought process is like, hey, if I do this, then it's not going to be positive financially. And that's that's where I have an issue because it's like, as you and I both know, I mean, I doubt you and I are as wealthy as somebody like a Paul Saladino or somebody like that. But look, Lane Norton's a perfect example. He's very wealthy. He does really well. He's been doing this for a very long time. And he does it in a way where um, his morals aren't compromised, right? He's spreading good information. So there's a, there's a way to build a very good, solid business and make a very good income doing it the right way. Does it take, does it take longer? Yeah, it takes way longer, right? I'm sure you, dude, I've seen people on the carnivore side of things who are absolutely nobody, never heard of them, zero followers. In like a year have hundreds of thousands of followers. There's zero followers until they're like outside of Whole Foods eating like raw goat testicles and they're like, wow, this guy's about to blow up. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. It's hilarious, man. Um, I was gonna say something here and I totally forgot uh regarding this misinformation stuff okay so with with the clients that you work with what are you what do you what do you see are some of the most common misconceptions that people fall for and what's your method of like helping these people see the other side perhaps i think the the clientele that i tend to work with the one of the biggest things piece of misinformation that holds them back is from a metabolism perspective it yeah. is from a metabolism and hormone perspective. I think there are, listen, I talk to my clients all the time about these charlatans and some of these claims. And and I think by the time they hire me, I think they've self-selected into a pool of people that are a little yeah. bit less bought into that stuff, but, but, but certainly get some of it for sure. But from a metabolism perspective, it's, it's more confusing. The biggest hurdle that I tend to try and overcome is the the frustration potentially, the feeling of I should be losing weight based on the number of calories I'm eating, based on this calorie calculator. Um, my metabolism is damaged from all these years of yo-yo dieting. I need a reverse diet. Um, and I think that that is a 
an issue that I'm I've really enjoyed over the past years, like confronting because I think it, it lines well with my personality, which is a little bit more of a realist, a little bit more of dealing with what's actually happening in reality. And I think for a lot of people, um, one of the best, if you count calories, which you certainly absolutely do not need to do, um, but if that's a route you're going to go for the pursuit of losing weight or gaining weight or maintaining weight or whatever, um, I think one of the best things you could do is take a very open mind from the numbers perspective, not compare your numbers to other people, um, not assume that your numbers are what they actually are in reality, um, be less emotional about the number in absolute. I mean, there are gonna be people that are larger than you that eat less calories, that are smaller than you that eat more calories, that move yeah. more than you and eat less calories, that move less than you and eat more calories and everywhere in between. And if you get caught up kind of bitching over why that is, instead of trying to really act on your situation, it's gonna be a really tough road. Um, and I see that just every single day with people. I think that there's a lot of, well, I should be losing weight. Instead of, how do I feel? What's my biofeedback? What's my energy levels? My libido, strength training, how do I feel? And what's the data telling me as far as, am I in a deficit or not? You know, yeah. people, you know, every day of like, I'm not losing weight, I'm in a deficit. It's like, we need to unpack this right now because like, that's obviously just an oxymoron that just those two things can't coexist. And so. And not and not to shit on people who who think that way. There's not like um, you didn't go to school for this. I'm not like blaming yeah, anyone yeah, for this. Right. I'm blaming other people who have planted that rhetoric in their head. Um, and so that's a lot of what I deal with of like rerouting this idea of like instead of trying to relate the number if for people who are tracking, which is not all my clients, maybe half to two thirds have tracked at some point. But instead of taking the numbers that you think you should be able to eat or you used to eat or your friend eats starting to actually pay more attention to how you feel and adjusting within your scope of, of your individual experience um, and not comparing. And there's a great podcast from the Stronger by Science guys, Greg Knuckles and Trexler talking about reverse dieting. And Greg's talking about, Greg's like 220, he's like trying to lose weight. And he's saying that he posted on his Instagram and he's eating like 1800 calories, 220 pounds, pretty active dude. 1800 calories. And he's like, people came out of the woodwork telling me that's I'm gonna break my metabolism, that's way too low. And he was like, guys, I'm losing roughly a half pound per week. And I and I feel like I'm in roughly a, a 250 calorie deficit, roughly how I thought I'd feel losing a half pound per week. Everything checks out. I'm pretty satisfied. I'm in a small deficit. Feels like I'm in a small deficit. And and that's it. I'm not worried about that number in absolute. I'm worried about how I feel and what the data is telling me. Uh, and so that is a battle that, a battle, I mean, air quotes battle. You know, you know what's funny? People always say like, in the trenches, you know? I can't stand in the trenches. I'm like, we are like fucking fitness, you know, and, and health coaches, your PhD, but like, we're not like in a trench somewhere. It's disrespectful to trench warfare. But, um, but that's certainly one that I see myself battling more on my scope with the clients that end up at my doorstep. Yeah, man. It's funny with the whole calorie thing because... Oftentimes, it also comes down just to the fact that people introduce a lot of air into their tracking, right? Absolutely. That's another aspect of it, too. And, like, you don't have to be perfect with tracking. You just have to be consistent. But I think that throws people for a loop, too, when they see the absolute number they're tracking and it's relatively low, right? Like, I'm sure you and I both work with clients that are tracking at, like, 1,500 and, like, they're not actually consuming 1,500. But that's fine, given that they know that there's some air, Right. And usually what I, in, in the specific context where like somebody is supposed to be in a deficit and they're not losing weight and like, what is going on? Usually there's one really simple question that answers it. And for me, it's just like, hey, do you feel a little bit hungry throughout the day? Like, no, I'm pretty satisfied, like not really feeling hungry. It's like, you're probably not in deficit because even if you eat in a way that's going to be as satiating as possible. If you just are eating less calories than you burn, you're going to feel a little bit hungry by the end of the day. And so that's usually the metric that I like to share with clients of like, hey, you shouldn't be starving, but between meals, you should feel a little bit hungry. By the end of the day, you should feel a little bit hungry. And that's normal. And that's not to be, you shouldn't expect to have that feeling forever either. Because when you achieve your goal weight, you can eat actually substantially more and you should feel satisfied. But if you're not hungry all the time, and you're tracking 1,400 calories, and you're training four or five days a week, walking 10k steps. You're not eating 1,400 calories. You know that you know the where it where it goes for me though. So if let's say there's someone, I will use random archetype for numbers. So let's do 200 pounds eating 1,500 calories, and by all accounts, even if you're like pretty sedentary, that like math or science would say that's definitely a deficit. Um, 
And 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 the question is, okay, Jordan, I'm not losing weight at 1,500 calories. And so the first people get really angry about like the you know eat less, move more, or like when people are just like yelling calorie deficit at people. And I agree, it's like not helpful in as like a final beginning, middle, and end as far as information goes. That stuff's not helpful. But if someone's like, hey, I'm eating 50, I'm eating X, and I'm not losing weight. It's like we need to start from operating with an understanding that you're not in a deficit. And so we can go two ways with that. We can go, why am I not in a deficit? Why am I? Why do I keep ending up with 1,500 in my tracker and not losing weight at 200 pounds? And I think that's a valid route to go down. I think because you'll find some error in your tracking. You'll find some stuff you're missing. That number will bump itself up. The other route to go is, okay, I know I'm not in deficit. I need to operate with that. What do we do about it? And I find people spend so much time with the trying to be a detective. And the, the annoying thing is, when you, annoying is a strong word, I don't wanna say that, but if you start with this premise of, well, why am I not in a deficit? Two, you have another flow chart that breaks into two kind of columns here. And to the left says, well, because you're not actually eating 15, you're eating a lot more than that. Either intermittently binging and not tracking or throughout the day missing bites, licks and tastes, handful of nuts, whatever, or wildly underestimating restaurant food and oils. The other side, is to believe that you are and your metabolism is broken. And then there's a line that gets drawn right into the reverse dieting rhetoric. And so I think that is so funny because when you think about it, I always laugh about this. Like, um, think about how good the reverse dieting marketing is. I am saying, hey, you're not in a deficit. We need to figure out a way to eat less. Again, as an end point, that the goal is not fucking, you know, starve yourself or race to the bottom calorically. We're just starting with high level understanding of you're not in a deficit if you're not losing weight. I'm saying that we need to figure out maybe where there's some room we can be a little bit more accurate and maybe where we're gonna decrease some calories somewhere. I'm essentially telling you we're gonna have to eat less. And there's another camp of people that say that your problem is that you're not actually eating enough, that you need a period of eating way more, that'll fix things. I mean, which of those are you gonna pick? That one sounds yeah, way yeah, yeah. better. I mean, that marketing's unreal. Of course you're gonna go that route. And so I think there's a lot of like, time and energy wasted on like, uh, why am I not in a deficit? If you, if you aren't working with a professional and you ask that question out into the ether, you will think that your metabolism is broken from chronic. We don't, we don't even have time today to go into the oxymoron that is chronic under eater. Um, every time someone comes on my page and ends with, okay, but what about chronic under eating or what about chronic dieting? I'm like, all I ask is a definition for what that means and how it is different from a calorie deficit. And it's just, just like perpetual crickets. Um, yeah. and so I die on that hill. It's a hill I'm very happy to die on. And, um, because I think, like I said, I think we can help that person who ultimately thought their metabolism was, was broken. We can help them and all the people that have had a positive kind of experience reverse dieting, we can help them too. You know, we can get them the right information as well. So yeah, sidebar. Are you tired of spending countless hours grocery shopping, cooking, and preparing your meals? I get it. Time is precious, and that's where Icon Meals comes into play. I've partnered with Icon Meals to bring you delicious, macro-friendly, and high-protein meals that will make it easier than ever for you to achieve your fitness goals. I understand that you may have hesitations over the cost of a meal prep service compared to cooking food at home. But let's face it, how often do you spend more money eating out because you didn't have time to prepare your food at home anyways? With Icon Meals, you not only save time, but you invest in your health. These meals are carefully crafted to be healthier and more in line with your fitness goals than most of the food that you eat out anyways. So why wait? Visit IconMeals.com and explore their wide array of mouth-watering meals. And as a special bonus for listening to this podcast, use code JOSEPH10 at checkout for a special discount off of your order. By the way, you can find all of the necessary links in the description of this podcast. Don't let time be a barrier to your success. Choose Icon Meals and fuel your journey towards a healthier, fitter you. Dude, I've... Yeah, it's actually been a minute since I've talked about this reverse dieting concept on Instagram. Um, but a couple of things I want to touch on here. It's funny because I've had several instances with clients where their caloric intake is low reportedly, struggling with weight loss, and they have the idea of like maybe it's their metabolism, right? We're like, well, maybe it is, but the only way to know is get some blood work done and let's see some thyroid hormone and stuff like that. Agreed. But even more objectively, just go get a BMR test done. It's pretty simple. It's pretty cheap. Like most people have access to it. And I've done this with a couple of clients and they go get their BMR tested 
and their BMR is above the reported caloric uh, intake. So it's like, listen, this is an objective test telling you that at rest, you are burning more at rest. Yep. You are burning more than you are reportedly consuming. So that's, that's one that I like to use. Like, hey, don't that's take nice. my word for it. Just go get a BMR test. It's pretty simple. But um, I'm with you 100%. It's not I'm with you. It's like the scientific evidence is clear that this whole like metabolism breaking stuff is so simple. It, it is not so simple. It is so incorrect. I mean, there's data showing that repeated dieting, aka yo-yo dieting, has no correlation with inability to lose weight, right? Meaning that people who diet more often do not have a harder time losing weight objectively. Um, there's obviously other underlying reasons as to why they are unable to maintain the weight loss, but it's not that they inherently have a harder time maintaining weight loss because their metabolism slows down. Then people always refer to the, um, the biggest, biggest loser, loser studies. And there's big issues with the methodology there in terms of how things are being assessed. Uh, well, that even are now, even the more updated look at the biggest loser, there's you, there are people are like, see, like, um, uh, what, what people were hoping was going to happen with the biggest loser was that the people who maintained the weight loss were going to be carrying or have much lower metabolisms than predicted. That's what we, people were like, well, you had permanent metabolic damage. And the other thing that we're hoping would happen would be that when people regained all the weight, that they would still have reduced metabolic rate. And so this idea of weight cycling and yo-yo dieting would over Correct. time reduce metabolic rate. There, are, The people who um, gained all the weight back went exactly back to baseline where you science would predict them metabolically. The people who who had some metabolic adaptation still, the people that are like, see, there's, there's permanent weight loss or permanent metabolic adaptation were the people who kept the weight off. Um, and so it was like metabolic adaptation, if you want to look in the research, is actually predictive of weight loss maintenance more than it is from like weight regain, um, which obviously I don't, wouldn't make that point, but it was just funny that like if you, the biggest loser is a good study, the more recent updated version, um, because it is, it is such an extrapolation and exaggeration of what you are doing. You being the average person trying to lose anywhere from 20 to 70 pounds. Um, because these people lost more weight more quickly than you would ever do. Yeah. And if they didn't see any like substantial amount of permanent metabolic adaptation, if they were able to, like, I always crack up, like if metabolism is adaptive in both directions, if there's metabolic adaptation on the way down, if you've lost 20 pounds and it's like pulling a rubber band, if you pulled it to the left 20 pounds and then you gained that weight back, it comes right back to the middle. If you pull it up yeah. 20 pounds, it's moving in the other direction. It's like whatever adaptations happened on the way down, they undo on the way up. Um, and it is, it's, it's just, if we, if everybody, if, if you didn't, if I gave somebody who came to me a calorie number and they had never heard of calories before in their life and they had never heard of what Susan in accounting is eating and what, what, um, I always use Lori Christine King. I love Lori. No, nothing against Lori, but Lori's 130 pounds, eats like 2,500 calories. If you've never heard of Lori Christine King, if you've never heard of the gym nurse, gym nurse, 130 pounds, 20, 2,800 calories or something. If you had never heard of them, you'd be way more successful because you are on a subconscious or conscious level referencing what I've given you in relation to them as if you are them, as if what they're telling you is even accurate, which I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying like, there's a miscommunication somewhere as if what you're tracking is 100% accurate. And I just feel like if I could, if you could take calories and just in a, in like some Harry Potter world, like turn it into like some metric that you've never heard of. You know, it's funny. It's like if you've been lifting in pounds and you go lift in like kilos and like all of a sudden you like, you're like, think you're really strong. If you don't know the conversion in your head or whatever, like if we could just get people to stop referencing what they think they should be eating or what somebody else was eating, then I think people would be a lot more successful. Yeah, no, totally. I agree with that, man. Um, we tend to always be comparing ourselves to a certain expectation, right? Um, which honestly, man, it's a lot easier to say not to do than to actually do, right? Because I fall into that, not necessarily with nutrition or anything like that, but with like, I don't know, business stuff or people my age doing other things. It's so easy, right? It's so easy to be like, oh, well, I'm here. That person's there. Um, I would say what's important is to have skills to talk yourself through those things and not have a negative psychological outcome um, in response to it, right? Because we all have those thoughts. But you're right. It's like everybody's unique. Everybody's going to be at a different starting point. Uh, everybody's error with tracking is going to be different. Uh, you like all these predictive equations are based off of 
general population. So you might be slightly different. Um, and that is important to just focus on where you are and make progress from there. Dude, I wanted to talk about the the reverse dieting stuff. I made I had made a video. One thing that I do is like I do not interact with people who call me out in a very disrespectful way because I'm just like, nah, I'm just not about it, right? Um, so I made this video probably over a year ago now about metabolism and just be like, hey, if you can't lose weight, it's not because your metabolism is broken. Yes, your energy expenditure decreases as you lose weight. That is a, a byproduct of weighing less and perhaps moving less, but it's not your basal metabolic rate, right? Um, and this dude who's surprisingly an evidence-based nutrition guy was just like, no, this is wrong, blah, 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 blah. He said some stuff. And I actually remember the comment and I remember I did not respond to it. And it was over a year. And just last week, I get a message from this guy saying like, you're such, you're so embarrassing. You're a clown. Why don't you, uh, why did you never respond to my comment? And I was like, what is this guy talking about? And then he went back in my profile, found the post, commented no again, shared it on a story saying I deleted his comments. I've never deleted a comment, dude. Uh, was making stories saying that he would pay for me to go out to wherever he is to have a debate about this. And he sent me voice messages, like seeing how embarrassing I am and stuff. And like, I just like, don't give him, I do not respond. And it, this has happened a couple of times now and it pisses people off even more. Anyways, all this is to say that we also have to keep in mind that there are people online with mental illnesses, man, spewing absolute BS, saying crazy things. And you don't know what's what, right? So it's also easy because it's not just it's not just individuals with large platforms like Paul Saladino or whatever, for lack of a better name. But you, people also interact a lot in the comments, right? And I see this other guy saying some crazy stuff. Um, it's just tough, man. It's hard to navigate the social media space. It's really hard. Like I personally don't get any information about anything on social media. And it's funny because people will ask me because, you know, I usually end my videos. And I'm like, if you want actual helpful information, give me a follow. And I usually at least once a video, they're like, well, you're telling us not to listen to people online and you're online. I'm like, why should we listen to you? And I'm like, fair point, fair point. But <laughs> I've explained why, right? The credentials, this and that. Anyways, um, dude, have you had any personal experience back in the day with falling for nutrition myths, doing things that are ridiculous? And if so, how have you been able to change? Yeah, I went keto for over a year straight um, back before it was in vogue, uh, maybe like 2014 or something. Mm -hmm. um, an entire year, I don't think I missed a meal. That That's me, kind of my MO. Um, like one too many Ben Greenfield podcasts and I was like just all in, man. Like testing ketones like multiple times per day, pricking myself, like just fucking blood everywhere. Um, you know, sipping MCT oil to hope my ketone level would go up, you know, like immediately running through the toilet afterwards. And that, and then honestly, like, um, so what had happened was back in 2013, I was dealing with some health issues. I had some libido issues. I will just be frank. I had some like men's health issues and I went to my, my doctor at the time and he was like, dude, you're, you're walking around like single digit body fat. Like, he's like, I don't care that your test, my test was like two, two, two thirty. And I was like, I need to get test. I need to get test. He's like, dude, you're running, walking around like stage lean. I wasn't stage lean, but but that Pretty was essentially cool. what he said. He's like, I don't want to hear any of this stuff until you come back. You gain like 10 pounds of fat, basically. Yeah. And and I wasn't eating any fat really in my diet at the time. I was eating like very low fat. And I don't want to make it out like this is all fixed by eating more fat. I was doing a lot of things wrong. I was training way too much, probably six days a week, two hours a day. Um just getting up and burning it at both ends at the gym, up at four, you know, work until eight and then whatever. Um, and so I, of course, went super extreme, started eating more fat, went towards that side of things, got caught in the spiral and the vortex of keto. Um, and I will look back and be quite thankful in a couple of ways. One, it did help. I felt better, but it felt better because I gained 10 pounds. Um, I gained 10 pounds of probably mostly fat, and what's funny is I gained it going keto, not trying to eat more calories, which people are like, oh, you go keto, you just lose a bunch of weight, it falls off. I'm like, no, I ate, I'm sorry, I ate a ton more calories, drinking oil, way more fatty red meat, a million yolks and cheese. Um, but your and insulin felt, was low, dude. Yeah, my insulin was super low. My 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 LDL was like high, like high 280s. Um, and 
um, my test went up to like 570 or something like that and all issues resolved and I was super happy. Um, and so because that was, and what's funny is here's the Paul Saladino example. I got better doing this thing. Mm -hmm. And so I now thought this is the thing everyone should do. And so for a good like six months after that, I was like, oh, keeping your blood sugar as low as possible. Most important thing, everyone should go keto, all this like, mental clarity and stuff. Um, and the take home from that, I think I think what ended up happening was I, I ended up feeling really, really shitty. At, at, at around the year mark, I felt just terrible. Um, I was lethargic. I felt always like... Um, I don't know, not like not like from a bloating perspective, my digestion was not good, my bowel movements were not good, my cognition was not good, my workouts were not good, um, and my LDL was sure as shit not good. And so uh, I reintroduced some carbohydrates and, and you know, looking back on that, the one thing I'm grateful for is that it, I, coming from a really like anti, I was scared of eating fat, I think, that was like a subconscious thing I was dealing with at a young age. Um, it opened the door to a lot of foods that I really, really enjoy today. And so I, I certainly look back and I'm like, I eat more avocados now, more dark chocolate. I love like a good, you know, it's funny, seed oil. Funny with seed oils is that like, I'm not anti-seed oil, but I also love olive oil and like just like big advocates, yeah, like, like cool health properties, like polyphenols, polyphenols are cool. Um, <laughs> so I do look at that time and I'm like, I ate more nuts. I, I, I had never eaten nuts before regularly. And so I really do look back on that time. I'm like, man, it was a dark, dark place. Um, but it really brought me to a balance of like, I was afraid of fat. Then I was afraid of carbs. Then I got to a point where I felt like there was a, a good marriage between the two of them. Um, I even went 2013, I went to a biohacking conference. Mm. I saw Fung. I saw Bren Greenfield, Dave Asprey, but before he was like, before, like as Bulletproof was like just coming out. Yeah. Um, there's a pic, there was pictures of me at booths that I swear if they ever got out, man, I'd be ruined. There's, I'm just, I'm laughing because obviously that's all in good fun, but there's pictures of me at like booths of like, with like these like Delta and Gamma wavelength helmets on and like full on like red light therapy, like faces. And again, people, they don't need to get into those in, in, in a specific fashion, but um, I certainly dabbled with all that stuff. And frankly, it, it, to end my, this monologue here, it has made me more bullish on making sure people don't fall into that trap because you could say, well, it was a good experience in the end, but like, but not everyone comes out of it. This is what I do for work, man. Like I came out of it because of my constant pursuit of more knowledge and better knowledge and upping my threshold of like who to listen to. And yeah, it ultimately led me to people like Lane and, and people like you and people like other people out there that are like putting out and, you know, and because it's my job to try and parse out what was correct. And I, even I made trip tripped up on the way. And so that's why I'm even more bullish to try and decrease the amount of uh, side quests people will do on their way to finding their like happiest life. Such a good term. That man's doing side quests. That man's doing <laughs> side quests, dude, for real. Yeah, I'm going to quote you. Polyphenols are cool. Jordan Lips. Original uh, trademark quote. that. You can trademark Original that. Quote. I'm going to tweet that. Polyphenols are cool. Yeah. I like olive oil because polyphenols are cool. No other reason. Yeah, <laughs> did you know, I was going to ask you a follow-up of like, how did you um, change your perspective, right? And how did you uh, perhaps change route from like falling for these traps and not doing so now? But I think you, you explained it nicely, right? Like just continuing to educate yourself, exposing you yourself. Have to, to if you hear an alternative perspective, I know it's difficult, but I definitely, I, it is difficult. It's totally difficult, but um. Yeah, I think it's difficult, man, because people can use the same logic against us. That's what I was about to say. Right. So I was gonna say, keep your mind open to different different viewpoints, because it was different viewpoints from that time that ultimately pulled me into what I believe to be now way more level balanced. But that's what people are doing when they follow Paul Saladino. But the important thing to talk about here, and the reason why I tend to ask this question is because people usually say that to me. They're like, well, why are you not open-minded and see the other point of view? Or you just follow studies. You have no experience. And it's like, listen, the truth is that most of us that are fitness professionals that are passionate about this have fallen for some of these traps at some point. Most people have, right? I have as well. I used to fast religiously. Intermittent fasting was the way that I would get lean. And like, I, don't get me wrong. I think fasting is a great tool, but the reasons why I did it were not the real reasons why they were helpful, right? And I used to take uh, 
fat burners first thing in the morning and do fasted cardio. And like, I hated it, but I thought it was what I needed to do. And all that's to say, it's like, we've been there, done that. It's not just that we have the educational background. It's not that we're unable to perhaps be open-minded and see other people's perspective. And like we talked about earlier, I'm not even so against the recommendations that some of these individuals say, not just recommendations, but like general information of like, hey, if you eat more unprocessed food, it's going to probably be better for you. The issue that I have is when people say that processed food is bad because the government's trying to keep you sick and then they sell you some shit that's also highly processed, right? It's like the logic there is not adding up at all, man. Um, but anyways, man, I appreciate you a ton. Um, I want to be respectful of your time too. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I love seeing your dog there in the background, just chilling. <laughs> um, Let's see with them. <laughs> oh man, they're dope. Yeah. We had a little uh, Chihuahua wiener dog mix, and we unfortunately had to rehome him when we had the baby. He was so, so overly protective. Um, it's probably because he, he didn't eat enough carbs, so he was hangry all the time. But uh, when the, when the baby came along, man, he just started like not being cool. <laughs> yeah so i hope that doesn't happen to you my man um but again appreciate your time thank you so much for coming on the show i'm excited to chat with you on your podcast in a couple of weeks do you mind sharing where people can find you if they don't follow you already um and if they're interested in hiring you as a coach how can they do so sure yeah i'm 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 mostly hanging out on instagram jordan lips fitness i also have a podcast that joey will be on called uh, where optimal meets practical we cover things in that context for nutrition and fitness. And if you want to work with me, everything's in my Instagram bio or on my website, which I don't use much, but jordanlipsfitness.com. So check it out. Sweet. And those links will be in the description, guys, as well. Um, I was going to say something here. Dude, It's it sucks. I always think of jokes and then I forget them. And then I, for, I don't forget the horrible jokes. Nice. It's like, if you don't think I'm funny, it's because I only remember the bad jokes. I forget all the good ones. Yeah, that's how it goes when you're dead. <laughs> Yeah. For those of you guys listening, if you've listened so far, thank you so much for listening to the entire episode. I hope you found some value in this episode. And as always, if you enjoy the show and you're a regular listener, please take a second to rate the podcast and leave a review. I'll catch you guys on next week's episode.